This is the Classic Baseball Broadcast Network, where we believe there is nothing like hearing about history from those who lived it. Listen to our full catalog of broadcasts at ClassicBaseballBroadcast.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please help me out and do one of three things. Follow, subscribe this podcast, and leave a review. It really helps. Share us with your baseball friends. Uh, let them know about us. Or jump over to members.thisdayinbaseball.com. Join our email list, community, and our family of baseball podcasts.
the Yankton Giants alternated across the Harlem River as they are going to do in this series. The 1923 World Series was also the first one that was ever broadcast. The 1923 World Series was won by the New York Yankees. Four games out of six. And the consensus of experts seems to be that this series is going to go four games out of six. I'm not giving that as my opinion. Of course, I'm really reporting what I read in the paper. The Yankees, it seems to me, have been peculiarly mixed up with records in World Series. Their winner share, the winner share of a series between the Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals in 1926 was the largest for each man that has ever been taken out of a World Series play. Uh, perhaps it would be well to mention the fact that the players participating in the World Series game share in proceeds of the first four games of a series. In 1926, the winning share of the St. Louis Cardinals to beat the Yankees was $6,100. It has been expected that this series between the Giants and the Yankees this year will come very close to equaling that World Series record of individual money. The polo ground is more or less built in the shape of a horseshoe that is almost closed at the end in center field. That means that the foul lines on either side of the field are not very long. The foul line in left field will run about 300 feet from the home plate, and the foul line in right field is even shorter than that, being approximately 290 feet from the home plate. Down through the years, baseball writers have made a great deal over pop-fly home runs in the polo ground. And since the Yankees come into this series with more home run records than was ever deemed possible since Babe Ruth went away, people have been thinking that there will be a lot of home runs in here. Because of the way the uh, polo grounds outfield in both right and left curve away after they pass the foul line, it has seemed to me over a period of years that the hips balance themselves up pretty well. And while there are a lot of the pop fly home runs that drop into the stand close by the foul line, there are also a lot of long flies that are hit the deep right and deep left that do not go for home runs here that would be circuit wallops almost in any other ballpark in the country. And we are broadcasting from a spot directly in back of the home plate. This World Series of 1936 has taken on a peculiar significance because of the amazing drive the Giants made during the closing stages of their own race to win. The Yankees, of course, overpowered the American League, and their lead was never in danger from the middle of the season. If then, they simply coasted in the victory. The Giants are out to break what is a unique record in World Series history. The last three World Series that have occupied the attention of the New York Yankees have found them winning in four straight games. In 1927, they defeated Pittsburgh four straight. In 1928, they defeated St. Louis four straight. And in 1932, they defeated Chicago four straight. Now they're playing the Giants. That means to say that the uh, New York Yankees, including this, in their last four World Series ventures, will have played the four outstanding teams in the National League over the period of years. The contending teams in the National League have invariably been one of those four. Now, Ty, I think I'll turn this back to you and let you warm up your vocal cords. Here we 
star for the lineup.
about 449 feet directly to left field, and then that big billboard swimmers along to that 315 feet right on the line. So you can see the tremendous hitters of the Giants and the Yankees. If they can keep those drives close to the foul line, a lot of things are going to happen. The first hitter for the New York Yankees, you know the Giants are the home team this afternoon. We're at the polo grounds, first two games here. The New York Yankees in their gray uniforms, trimmed in dark blue, dark blue stockings, blue caps. They are the visiting team. Frank Cosetti will be the first hitter. By the way, he learned to play ball on a family ranch out in Los Angeles, California. He was born in San Francisco, October 4, 1910. And after a brilliant career with the Seals, he was bought for the New York club for $75,000. Umpire Cy Fearman behind the plate. Just Mancuso holds his fist. He's holding it in the air. Just a gesture of encouragement to the New York Giants. The umpires are called play ball. Just Mancuso squatting down, giving the first signal to Kyle Hubble. And it'll only be a second now until the classic of 1936 will be underway. Hubble starts to wind up. And here's the pitch. It's a ball, a fast ball that just hits the outside corner on Frank Rossetti, a right-hand batter. World Series is on. We're at the Polo Grounds in New York, and the first pick is ball one, low outside. Frank Rossetti, the batter, and Red Rolf hanging around. Here it comes. It's a bounding ball down third. Jackson has it. The play is good, and he is out. And of course, you heard the enthusiasm after that play, the first out. Yes, the World Series is really on. Now we have Red Rolf coming up. Red is quite a ball player, a left-hand hitter. Here's the wind-up, one away, nobody on. It's a strike. What a beautiful curve ball. That ball seemed to literally almost hit the first base cushion and then bend over that plate. You know what I mean? It's a strike. Ball. There's the stretch, and here it is. It's a strike. close to 45,000, I believe, before the game gets very much further along, perhaps close to 50,000 will be here this afternoon. The count on Red Ross, the second man up, is strike two. First inning, one man out, nobody on. The wind-up. It's a ball. The count is strike two and ball one. Carl Hubble having an advantage on Ross, the batter, to that weight ball high outside. Now the crowd is strike two and ball one. One out and nobody on. As the bounding ball down first, Bill Carey has it. He makes the play unassisted. Two men out. Carey then whips the ball to Dutchman Cuso, to Jackson, to Whitehead, to Barkell. And now the boys, the Giants, in their white uniforms, are surrounded with pitchers box and they're encouraging each other. You know, that's the game that's foremost in Bill Carey's mind to encourage those Giants. That's what he's been doing all year. Now we have two outs, nobody on, and perhaps the greatest recruit that has come to the Major League in a long time, steps to the back. It's Joe DiMaggio. Joseph Paul DiMaggio Jr. I don't know the folks out there on the coast like that. Here's the pitch. He hits the first ball at the bounder down short. Bartell comes up with it. The play, the throw was wide, but Bill Perry left the back, grabbed the ball, and it was close at first, but Harry Geist had called him up. No runs, no hits, and no errors. What did you think of that first inning time? Maybe the Fred Lee most in the first inning time. The fact that Hubble was pitching to the three first batters to face him. Pitched but one ball, 
above the belt. We've read a lot about how these giant pitchers are going to throw nothing but downers to the Yankee batters, and Bub looks as though that's what he's going to do. In the pitchers that he served up that inning, only one ball was pitched above the belt. He has a fine breaking curve, which he showed there to Red Rolf. I doubt if Red has seen such a break all season long in the American League. Now here come the Giants in for their turn at bat. Joe Moore walking up there to the plate while roughing and talking through the Bill Dickey. And uh, I guess you better take it there. Joe's a left-hand hitter, so it doesn't take him very long to get up there. You know, it's Big Red Ruffing, one of the biggest pitchers in the Major League. Red has had a grand year out here for the Yankees. He's a great hitter. Behind the bat, they have Bill Dickey. Bill has had perhaps one of the greatest seasons in his career. He batted 362. Still, they say, it's brittle. He was able to stay in there practically all year, thereby enabling the New York Yankees to win the American League by more games than any other team in the history of baseball. We're in the last half of the first inning. And Joe Moore, one of the left fielders, who had a batting average of 318 to lead off. The Giants, you know, white suits with light blue trimming. Red Ruffing gets the signal. He's a right-hander. And here it is. It's a fly ball going on into left field. Left fielder is under it and has it. That is Jake Powell playing left field this afternoon for the Yankees. Joe Moore hit a fly ball to medium left field, and we have one gone. The Yankees have played a lot of pepper after that ball was lost back to the infield, and they whipped it around, almost knocking each other over. Now we have Dick Bartell, shortstop coming up. Hitting 298 for the season. Strike one. Swinging. And the roar of the crowd goes up because he did take a mighty swing at that first ball pitch. Last half of the first inning. One out. Nobody on. Strike one. Ball one. That was a nice look ball that missed the outside corner. And the count on Nick Bartell is ball one and strike one. have Memphis Bill Terry, the manager of the Giants, coming up next. Bartell, the hitter, ball one, and the strike one. Charlie Ruffy, Red Ruffy, winds up. There's a drive out of the left center field. It's a long way out. Powell going over under it. He has it. That ball was hit right on the nose into deep left center field. Almost 400 feet from home plate. But Jakey Powell was playing deep and dashed over, made the catch, and now we have two men out. Listen to that round of applause for Bill Terry. No Memphis Bill did a grand job of bringing the Giants into the National League pennant this year. They were sort of down in the mouth in this season. Down in fifth place. But then they started, and here they are. Memphis Bill batting left-handed. It's a ball inside. Bill had to duck out of the way of that one, and I noticed that he was favoring that injured knee of his. Last half of the first inning, two men out, nobody on. The windup. It's a bounding ball out in the center field, and it's a base hit. A single for Bill Perry. The ball was retrieved by center fielder Joe DiMaggio. Returned to Tony Lazari at second, and Memphisville has opened the Blue Ribbon Classic of 1936 with the first base hit. It was a ground ball that Frank Rosetti, the Yankee shortstop, goes for, and 
fails to negotiate the stop, and it's a base box for Bill Carey. Now we have Mel Ott coming up. Mel Ott, you know, broke in to the National League at the age, tender age of 17, under the late John J. McCall. He's a great favorite here at the Polo Grounds, and he should be. He's a grand ball player. Right, ball. Last half of the first inning. Two up. Bill Carey is on first, and Mel Ott, the giant right fielder, left hand hitter is up. Foul ball, up and back, and it's strike two. Mel had a very good season, being among the leading home run hitters and compiling a grand batting average of 328. Always find Mel Ott up among the leading hitters of the National League. Again, last half of the first, no score. Bill Carey on first, two men out. Mel Ott is up, strike two. The pitch hit the ball, that ball high outside, and the count is strike two and ball one. Valley roughing out, keeping that dirt around out there in the pitcher's box, taking plenty of time. That's such a bit of strategy and worrying the hitter. Anyway, the count is strike two and ball one. Now he's back in the box with his foot on the rubber. Stretch. Strike two, ball one. Ball two. That was a snappy, fast, breaking curve ball. He just missed the outside corner to Mellon, a left-hand batter. Now the count is two and two. Last half of the first inning of this old World Series ball game at the Polo Grounds in New York. No score as yet. Two out, Bill Kelly on first. And two and two on the hitter. Here it is. It's a ball. Ball three and strike two on Mallott. The picture of Mallott steps out of the batter's box. Gets a little handful of dirt. Runs it on his hands. Now he steps in the box. Takes the hitch in his trousers. Does that count three and two? You know this one has got to be in. Here it is. Ball four. With a count three and two, Charlie Ruffing attempted to cross Bell up and got in the curveball. The ball was coming over the plate, but both low inside. Mellot stepped away, and now we have Mellot on first. Manager Bill Perry on second. And Ripple. Ripple, R-I-P-P-L-E. Center fielder coming up. Ripple has a batting average of 306 for the season. P2, like Mellot, is a left-hand batter. There's the stretch and the pitch. All one. Sharp breaking curve ball was over the plate. Just a little bit high. Last half of the first inning, no score is yet. Two men out, and two men on. Ripple the batter and the pitch. It's a strike. Ball. A burning fast ball right down the center and about belt high. But Ripple has elected to work the string out a little further. He takes it and it's strike one and ball one. There's the signal again, and Ruffing takes the stretch, and here it is. It's a ball. A fast ball with low inside. Ripple stepping back. And now the count is ball two and strike one. This is not particularly out of the ordinary for Charlie Ruffing. Charlie, you know, has started a lot of his games this year by being just a little bit wild. He has been able to settle down and compile a fine season pitching record. It's ball two and strike one. Two out. Runners on first and second. And the pitch. The swing, he misses, and it's strike two. 
Whipple really swung at that ball. Count is two and two. Last half of the first inning, and nobody has scored it yet. Bill Carey on second. Bellout is on first. Two men up. There's the stretch. Two and two. Here it is. He swings at the foul. Up over third base. And the guard remains 2-2. That ball fell into a crowd of spectators. Too many of the boys, too many fingers in the pie, and they knocked it back out on the field, which brought a roar from the crowd. The crowd remains all two and strike two. Charlie Ruffing is going to take a bit of time before delivering that next one. Now he's on the rubber. Draws his pitching hand across the letters on his shirt, and then the stretch. 2-2 two, two the pitch. Ball three. Ripple. Took almost a half swing at that ball, changed his mind, and just broke wide of the plate to a left-hand hitter. There's a full count of three and two, and Mellot and Bill Terry, of course, will be off with the pitcher's motion. George Selkirk is playing just a little bit deeper for Ripple than usual, the left-hand hitter. Here it is. There it is. It's a high fly ball in back of third base. Frank Gosetti under it, he has it. And that is all for the Giants. No runs, one hit. Come inside. The first inning reflected the, we reflected the pitching of uh, both clubs. In other words, with uh, Carl Hubble pitching, pitching his downer, as they call it, the uh, Yankees went out in order on balls hit on the ground. While Ruffing had the Giants popping him in the air. First two men, Warren Bartell, flying out to right uh, to left field. And uh, Ripple ending the inning with a pop-up. Frankie Crosetti who moved over behind third base to make the cut. All right, Tom. No score yet, and the mighty Larabing Blue Garrick of Columbia. Blue, you know, is a great favorite here in New York. He should be. He's played grand baseball for them. He has that great average of consecutive games. And in his younger days, Blue, of course, was a great star, a great football player and baseball player over Columbia. So it's Larabing Columbia, Lou, coming up to the plate for the first time. As you can take it from me, there's a bit of excitement in the hearts of these rooters at the polo ground. It's Kyle Hubble against the great Luke Gehrig, the mighty left-hand hitter. He's taking no chances, and here's the first pitch. As a bounding ball down second base way, but Terry goes over, takes it, crosses to Hubble. A brilliant play by both Bill Terry and Kyle Hubble. Terry was playing a deep first base for Luke Gehrig. That ball was hit between first and second. Terry elected to go over and feel the ball. And Hubble was alert, dashed over, took the pace. And Gary retired at first base. Terry to Hubble. One out. And now another mighty hitter. Who can boast of a batting average of 362 for the past season. It is Bill Dickinson, one of the tallest catchers of all time. And what a grand season Bill Dickey has had in the American League this year. Hubble winds up. There's a bounding ball through the box. Whitehead comes over fast, takes it, the throw, he's out. That was a slow, high bounding ball. That purchased Whitehead, ambled him for, and took felt high, and then snapped it over to Bill Carey at first, and Gary and Dickey have been retired. Two out, nobody on. And Jakey Powell coming up. Powell, you know, 
over from Washington in that grade, picked up the speedy Ben Chapman to the center. Take Powell, a right-hand batter. Two outs, nobody on. All one. Sharp breaking curveball, just a little bit outside. Powell, you know, when he broke into the American League, he was very, very fast on his feet and still is. I don't see him, however, as fast as Chapman. All one. All two. Carl Hubble used that old screwball as he called at that time. Came up to the plate almost as big as a watermelon, but it was outside and it falls too. First half of the second inning and no score is yet. Yankees back, nobody on, and we have two men up. Carl Hubble again winds up. It's a strike. That one put the plate right in half. But with the count two and one, Powell decided to work out the strength. A slight drizzle beginning to fall here at the polo grounds at the moment. I don't believe, however, that it's going to interfere with the game immediately. It's a ball. Nice sharp breaking curve ball with a low inside. Powell takes it, and now the count is ball three and strike one. Carl Hubble pitching and cut Mancuso catch. Here it is. The foul up on the screen and back up home plate. And we find Jake Powell with a full count of ball three and strike two. Ball three and strike two. You notice the Hubble is working just a little bit slower than is Charlie Ruffin. Sends over and now the wind up with a count three two. A foul back, and the count remains. Ball three, and strike two. From our lofty perch here in the press box, we look out over center field, directly through center field, and we see the home of the Yankees. That's where the third, fourth, and fifth game, if necessary, will be played. Right smack through center field. Ready to go again. First half of the second inning, the American League Yankees are at bat. Two outs, nobody on. Paul at bat with a full count of three and two. And here it is. There's a fine drive at the base knock into left center field. Paul, as he sees out there by a ripple, return to the infield where it is taken by Bartell. And Jake Paul gets the first Yankee hit of the first game of this 1936 Blue Ribbon Classic at the Polo Grounds in New York. A line smash that went into left center field and was fielded very cleanly by center fielder Ripple and returned to the infield. Now we have Tony Lazari coming up. Tony Lazari, the Yankee second baseman and a right-hand batter. Center fielder and right fielder have moved back just a little bit. As a play at first base. Just a gesture on the part of Hubble, because Powell was not very far off. Here it is. It's a strike. Nice curve ball right over the heart of the plate. Guy Fairman called it, and the count ends. One and nothing on the barrel. Strike one. First half of the second inning, no score as yet. There's the stretch of Hubble. The pitch. Outside. Saw Bartell start over to second. That apparently was a pitch out on the part of the Giants. Now the count is ball one and strike one. That pitch out, you know, for those not so familiar with baseball, a signal for the catcher. He thought that perhaps Powell was going down and called for a wide ball. 
So there'll be no obstruction in his way for the play at second. One and one, another play at first base. Powell gets back very fast, no chance at all of getting him. Azari is up. Ball one, strike one. Ball two. That was a curveball. It was over the plate, but just a little bit low. And the count now is ball two and strike one. Ball two and strike one on Tony Lazari, the right-hand batter. Hubble takes the stretch again. Two out. Powell on first. It's a foul strike. Shout out Tony Lazari is ball two and strike two. I believe that that foul may have hit Gus Mancuso on the back of his glove. Not making any to do about it, but he did take his catching mid-off and rubbed the hand for a moment. He is not hurt. We're ready to go. It's ball two and strike two. Jake Powell on first with two out. Here it is. Ball three. I don't know how to Bill Dickey to that downer pitch because he caused the first two men, Gehrig and Bill Dickey, to ground out as the first three in the first inning did. And Jackie Powell got a hold of one that was pitched about way high, but he singled into uh, left center field. Tony Nazari up there with three and two, looked at a very sharp breaking curve, about knee high over the inside corner for the called third strike. Each team has made one hit so far. The Giants have placed two runners on base. They've had two left on base. And the Yankees won. We go into the last half of the second inning. Just Mancuso is up top, so there he is. We're going into the last half of the second inning, the National League. Giants coming to bat, and Gus Mancuso, the giant catcher, and the right-hand hitter is up. The pitcher is roughing it. Here we go. There's a smash to right field. It's foul in the upper deck. Strike one. Well, the fans over here along first base got a little thrill out of that one. That was fouled by not too much. No score is yet as we play the last half of the second inning. Charlie Ruffing and Bill Dickey, the strong point for the Yanks. Ball one. That's a sharp breaking curve ball. It was plenty low and outside. Count on Gutsman, Cuso, ball one, and strike one. Gutsman, Cuso has done a great spark plug of the Giants this year. Ball one and strike one. Strike two. Yes, sir. Gutsman, Cuso was swinging for the old Yankee Stadium that time. From way back, you know. Strike two and ball one. Last half of the second inning, and so far we have a scoreless tie. Strike two and ball one. It's a foul back. Remains unchanged. Strike two and ball one. That's Mancuso stepped out of the box for a moment. Now he's back in there. Buffing has his glove off and fondling that ball for a moment. It's strike two. Ball one. Now the windup. High foul over third base. Ross coming over. It's close to the stands. He dove into the boxes. He just barely had his fingertips on that ball. Dove into the boxes. Unable to hold it. And the count is strike two and ball one. Umpire Bill Summers is going over there fast. On the way over, Ross lost his cap. The fans, too, were very courteous over there. They stepped aside and allowed Ross to tie for the catch. 
Walter Judge slightly pumped on that attempt. Frank Rosetti had scored runs over. Talked to him for a moment, but he is not on her. Judge guard a little bit, and we're ready to go. Rain is coming down just a little bit harder. Not really a rain, just a bit. Not very warm here at the Polo Grounds in New York this afternoon. That didn't stop the crowd from this blue ribbon traffic. Ball one. It's a foul back. That ball hit Bill Dickey on the right hand and he's shaking his hand. He's holding his bare hand in back of him. The boys are walking in for a moment, but I do not believe that his fingers would split of anything. No, he is most of the back of their position. However, bumping the pitcher and red ball continue. They're back to the home plate. Now they're returning their position. Bill Dickey is still shaking that hand. A tip foul. That's passing a little bit on the falling hand. Boy, that'd be a tough break for the cause of the American leaguers. Strike two and ball one. Dropping his pitching, and Hugo batting, and we're ready again. It's a call strike, and Hugo didn't like that for a moment, but it's a call strike. You know there's something about an umpire decision. Fellow once said, you may be down, but you're never out. Ah, but when the umpire says you're out, there's no argument. One gone and nobody on. Now we have Burgess Whitehead coming up. Ball, a back ball inside. Now it's one and nothing. As half of the second. One man out and nobody out. Ball back. Ball one and strike one. No chance of sight New York's really getting hit with those balls this afternoon unless they come right through that screen. I don't see that that's possible. First time in a good many years that he's been able to work in back of the screen. All right, ball one and strike one. Last half of the second, one out, and nobody on. Ruffing winds up. The foul. Back. Strike one and ball one. Tony Lazari is running in from his second base position now into the box to say something to his pitcher, Charlie Ruffing. Bill Dickey is still... Has that throwing hand clinched as he walked around home plate while that little conference was going on between Tony Lazari and Ruffing. Ruffing now is walking toward home plate. He's called Bill Dickey out. He's walked within 10 or 15 feet of home plate. Boys perhaps have uh, discovered some little inside dope on one of the players or something. Some of the fans now apparently adherents of the Giants are yelling at them to get going. Last half of the second to know, no score is yet. One man out. Burgess Whitehead, the second baseman, is up at a strike two and ball one. Here we go again. It's a bounding ball down short, a big hop. Cosetti has it. The throw to Garrigan, he's out. All of these drivers this afternoon have taken very beautiful hops. Boys have not had to trap them. They've most of them about belt high. Travis Jackson, the captain of the Giants, is coming to bat. Travis Jackson has long been a favorite here in Harlem. And this afternoon, the fans acknowledge it by giving him a nice round of applause as he comes to the plate for the first time. Two out, nobody on the pitch. Strike. What a beautiful curveball 
Buffing shot him that time. That is easily the prettiest curve ball that he has caught this afternoon. It had plenty of smoke on it and very sharp. Strike one. Ball one. That was a curve ball too, but it broke low and outside, and the count is ball one and strike one. Last half of the second, two out, and nobody out. Travis Jackson. Jackson's the right-hand batter. Strike. He swings hard and misses. And the count is strike two and ball one. Travis Jackson is a long left field hitter, and for that reason, Powell is playing just a bit deeper than you. Wind up strike two, ball one. Strike three, Paul. That was a nice curve ball that caught the outside corner of the plate for a call strike, and that's all for the Giants in the second inning. No runs, no hits, and no errors. Tomorrow will be October 1st, the opening of the Ford dealer's nationwide used car clearance sale. More than 150,000 good used cars and trucks will be sold by Ford dealers during October at bargain prices. Well, that second inning, as far as the Giants are concerned, Ruffing seemed to pitch considerably better than he did in the first inning, or possibly the opposition wasn't quite so strong, because both Mancuso and Travis fans and Burgess Whitehead got an easy bounder to Frank Rossetti at shortstop. So far, the pitchers have dominated this game, and uh, the result is it hasn't been necessary for any fielders to come up with any hard play. Third inning, while it's still drizzling a little bit. Doesn't seem to be getting any worse than it has been. And I think we'll be able to do at least five innings, don't you think, Tom? Better get them up there fast. Going into the first half of that third inning, again the American League comes to bat. Ball is high, you know. Very few seats vacant here at the polo grounds. The panorama of humanity that one would travel a long distance to see. And we're not disappointed this afternoon. The American flag flying aloft. And the spotting hanging over the upper deck. It's a real pretty picture. Ready to go. There's Stoker. Left-hand batter up at the strike pole. First half of the third inning. And the Yankees come to bat. Stoker had a batting average this year of 308. There's a long smash. It's going, going, going. High up in the stands in right field. It's a home run. For George Selford. A home run, a mighty smash by the right fielder of the New York Yankees, and the scoreless tie has been broken. Boy, what a smash. He has been at home plate by Cosetti and Ruffing. They're waving their bats. They give him a pat on the back, and Bill Perry has walked to the pitcher's box. Boy, oh boy, what a smash. have a lot of rooters, but anybody would yell over that one. Charlie Ruffing is up. He swings hard, pops the ball. Hubble picks it up. It's close. He is out. Charlie Ruffing swung hard at the first ball pick. He popped it, and Hubble didn't make up his mind for a moment to pick that one up. He did not hesitate too long. Picked it up just in time. He shoot it to carry it first for the out. One gone. Frank Rosetti coming up for the second time. Frank Rosetti is the right-hand batter. 
First half of the third inning, the American Leaguers won. Max the lead, nothing. One out, nobody on, and Frank Cosetti, the Yanks shortstop, and the right-hand batter at the plate, and Carl Hubble winds up. He hits the first ball. It's a very high fly ball in back of second with Whitehead backing up, waving the others away. He makes the catch. Now we have two men out. Boy, that baby Stelter really stepped into that ball, shot up there by Hubble, and he did not park it in the lower stand, but he parked it in the upper deck. And if you speak that into the real match he's got, come on out to the polo grounds and try it. Boy, oh boy, what a club. Two men out. Nobody on. Red Wolf, third base, the left hand hitter is up. Well, the boys here in the box tell me that that's only the eighth home run that has been hit off the pitching Carl Hubble this year. Two men out, nobody on, off the batter, left hander, and here's the pitch. And the bounding ball between first and second, and it's a big hit. The ball is received by Carl Bonach. Hot returns the ball to Martell at second, and Rolf stops at first base. Redwall's got a nice man for that base hit. It was a fast bounding ball between first and second. Bill Terry and Burgess Whitehead both went after the ball, but neither of them could touch it and went on to Bellock, and it's a base knock. Now Joe DiMaggio is coming up. Again, the fans on the edge of the red seat are watching this coaching group. He's a great favorite all in one year. What a great favorite he has been. Yes, he has a batting average in his first year of 324. That's something. They're ready to go. He hits the first ball. It's a base hit out into right field. Rolf is rounding second. Rolf is on his way to third. He fell down after touching second and stood along and had to go back to second base. It's a single. Getting just a little bit slippery out there. And Red Rolf is rounding second base. It keeps the top of wondering. Fell down, rolled along, and just barely got up on his feet and trying to get back to the second set and up. And the right hand batter at the plate, and Paul Hubble winds up. He hits the first ball, it's a very high fly ball in back of second with Whitehead backing up, waving the others away. He makes the catch. Now we have two men out. Boy, that baby Stelter really stepped into that ball, shot up there by Hubble, and he did not park it in the lower stand, but he parked it in the upper deck. And if you think that is the real match he's got, come on out to the polo grounds and try it. Boy, oh boy, what a club. Two men out. Nobody on. Red ball. Third base, the left hand hitter is up. Well, the boys here in the box tell me that that's only the eighth home run. It's a hit off the pitching Carl Hubble this year. It's two men out, nobody on, off the batter, left hander, and here's the pitch. And the bounding ball between first and second, and it's a big hit. The ball is received by Melvin Ott. Ott returns the ball to Martell at second, and Rolf stops at first base. Redwall's got a nice man for that base hit. It was a fast bounding ball between first and second. Bill Terry and Bridges Whitehead both went after the ball, but neither of them could touch it and went on to Bellock, and it's a base knock. Now Joe DiMaggio is coming up. 
Harrison fans are on the edge of their seats. They're watching him promote the suit. He's a great favorite all in one year. What a great nation he has been. Yes, he has a batting average in his first year of 224. That's something. They're ready to go. He hits the first ball. It's a base hit out in the right field. Ralph is grounding second. Ralph is on his way to third. He fell down after touching second and stood along and had to go back to second base. It's a single. Now we have the mighty Drew Kelly of the Yankees coming up, and the fans are all yelling. This crowd seems about evenly divided. The Giants and Jets, you know, haven't given folks much chance to yell for them. That home run of the Yankees has been to break their hooters up, and now they're rooting for Jerry to get one. Here's the first pitch. It's a strike. A beautiful curveball was coming at Jerry, and then broke over the plate, and it's a strike. The first time up, but also that first pitch to Jerry, and then a slow sweeping curveball. Two outs to know. Ralph is on second. Joe DiMaggio on first. DiMaggio has a big lead. All one. That was a burning fastball. Right at the head of Gary. Gary just nodded a bit and stepped out of the way, and it is a right one and ball one. Yes, it is still drifting. That field is becoming a little bit slippery out there. Ball one, strike one. Gary gets back. The fans on the end of their feet, the punters on first and second and two out. There's a strike. Ball one and strike one. The pitch. It's a strike. A strike ball. Strike two and ball one. Again, Carl Hubble keeps that sweeping curve ball. That one, I think, was just a little bit faster than the other two. Now we see whether or not Carl Hubble attempts to pull the swing on Jerry. If he does, anything can happen. Either way, for the Yanks and for the Giants. Anyway, this is the spot. Right to and ball one. There's the stretch. Here it is. It's a downer back to Hubble. Hubble takes it and crosses to Carl. I believe on that ball with a count strike two and ball one. The Ferris is all set for a back ball. Instead of that car hubble, crossed up a full sweeping third, but it's as big as a mullet, and Gary started the swing, took the hold of the swing, and just barely tapped the ball and went back to hubble, hubble, to carry for the other. Keeping the uh, Yankees rather handcuffed during the first two innings, George Selkirk came through to blast that one in the upper deck to put the Yanks in the lead. One to nothing. Then after uh, roughing and uh, Crosetti had been retired, Rolf and DiMaggio came along with singles and it looked as though Huff might be in for a bad inning. However, as Tom just told you, double cross Gehrig on that last pitch which resulted in a very easy bounder right back to the box on which Gehrig was retired and which retired the side. So it's one nothing in favor of the Yanks as we go into the last half of the third inning. round of applause is for Carl Hubble. Carl Hubble gets a nice round of applause from all of the fans here at the Polo Grounds in New York as he steps up to the plate. Carl Hubble
Well, you know, pitches him. Left-handed, but bats him. Right-handed. There's Charlie Ruffing, a right-hander in the box for the Yanks with Bill Dickey receiving. And it's Hubble and Mancuso for the National League. Here we go with the last half of the third to score. Yankees won, Giants nothing. Strike. Carl Hubble. Swung very hard at that first ball and missed. Getting pretty dark here in the polo ground. Still drizzling. There's a base knock. It's a base knock in the center field. Friends, I'm stopping after each of those blows so that you too might get the thrill of hearing this enormous crowd here. After calling the play for you, we should stop and let our engineers allow you to hear the applause and the hundreds of applause that were here in this first exciting game of the World Series. Carl Hubble with one strike, took a ball that was just a little bit above the knees and poked it on a line in the center field. There it was retrieved by DiMaggio and returned to the infield where it was taken by Crosetti. Now we're ready to go. And again, we have Joe Moore. Joe Moore, you know, back to left hand. Carl Hubble has his overcoat on, as it were. All buttoned up, very stuck. Charlie Ruffing makes a stretch. It's a strike. Oh. One and strike one. Last half of the third inning. Nobody out as yet. Score one to nothing in favor of the Yankees of the American League. Strike. He swings hard and misses. Strike two and ball one. Carl Hubble on first base. Left-hand batter of the Giants. Joe's playing left field and playing lots of left field this year. There's the stretch. Hit the ball outside, and the count is now ball two and the strike two. Well, the fans who have the field boxes at the moment are just getting a very nice coach. <laughs> that drizzle has increased a little bit at the moment. There's the no... Just do the suggestions on the part of the officials to call the game as yet, however. Strike two and ball two. It's a foul back, Joe Moore, the left fielder of the Giants, the batter. Ball two and strike two is the count on Joe Moore. Umpire has crossed out a new ball. Charlie Ruffing is having just a bit of difficulty in keeping his pitching hand dry out there in the drizzle. There's the stretch again. Hubble is on first. You know, with nobody out, and it's two and two. He swings hard, left Ward went up with the chip ball, and Bill Dickey hung out for a moment, but then dropped it, and the count remains ball two and strike two. Ball two and strike two. Let's take a look at the outfield for you. Selkirk is playing a little deep. DiMaggio playing medium, as is Powell. Infield playing in their regular positions, and I believe Missouri, or rather Crosetti, will take the throw if a play is made at second. A couple probably will not attempt to steal. It's 2-2. Here it is. He swings and misses. Right to three. One gone in the giant half of the third inning. Set down ball two and strike two. 
no more. With a mighty cut, had a curve ball that was over the outside corner. Just missed it by a little bit, and that count, and it's a strikeout. One gone. Big Bartell, shortstop at that. On this play, Jake Paul will let Fielder lose a little bit. Hits the first ball, it's a big hit, just inside the right field line. Hubble is rounding second, going to third. The ball is retrieved by Shelter, return to Lazari, and Bartell stops at first. You know, that was a rather funny base that Dick Bartell was laughing down there at first. He attempted to hold that swing a little bit and just poked the ball out into right field over Gary Kent inside the line. That was mighty fast feeling in the part of Silver. Well, we've got a ball game on again now with that score one to nothing in favor of the Yankees. We're in the last half of that third inning. One man out, runners on first and third, and Memphis Bill Perry. Well, you know, at the first hit of the afternoon, he opened the base hit. He's a left-hand hitter. Ruffin gets his signal and the stretch. Marcel on first, Hubble on first. The pitch, ball one. A fastball in both wide of the plate, and the card on Bill Terry was it up. Terry has asked umpire Perlin to inspect the ball. He does, but without any inspection or any argument, he crosses out a new one. Last pass the third inning. One of nothing in favor of the Yankees. The Giants have runners on first and third. Bartell first, Hubble third, and one man out. Terry at bat, and it's ball one. Here it is. Swings, he misses. It's a strike. Ball one, strike one. Manager Bill took a healthy cut of that baby. All right, get on the edge of your seat, you giant movies. Oh, there's a hair that comes, ball one, strike one. It's a foul ball. Not very far away with ball, but Dickey going back. Dickey is under it. He has it. And as he made that catch, manager Bill Curry took that bat, and he slapped it in the dirt and knocked up. That stuff there up over his head. He certainly wanted to get a hold of one. Dexter, at least a fly ball or something, shot up a high foul ball that was handled by Bill Dickey. Now... Two men out, runners on first and third, and Malak coming up. It's not all over yet, you know, because Malak is one of the National League long-distance hitters. For many years, Malak has been up among the home-run hitters of the National League. Martell is on first, Hubble is on third. Here's the pitch. Ball one. A curveball is low outside. Martell is looking around to see whether or not to play it safe. Here's the pitch. Ball two. That one was just a little bit low for Mellot, the left-hand batter, and the count is ball two. Score, you know, New York Yankees. The American League one. The Giants of the National League nothing. They've reached the last half of the third inning with two men out. Runners on first and third. Mellot is at bat, and it's two and nothing. Will he or won't he? Here it is. Nope. It's outside, ball three. I thought that was a very smartly picked ball by Charlie Ruffing with that count two and nothing and runners on first and third. That's usually the spot for the automatic strike, but instead of that, he had a very pretty curved ball at both wide of the plate, and it is now three and nothing. Ball four. 
That was high inside, and we have the bases loaded. Pellot is on first, Dick Bartell is on second, Carl Hubble is on third. We have Ripple, center fielder coming up. Ripple, hit 328 this year, he's a left-hand batter. There you'll have it, the bags loaded, Charlie Ruffing, pitching, Bill Dickey catching, Ripple is up, two men out, and the Giants one run behind. Here's a long wind-up and the pitch. Spike, a mighty swing into tip foul that is held by Dickey, strike one. Rain is coming down pretty hard at the moment, but nobody is leaving those box seats. No, sir, not a single one. Here's that pitch. Spike! Oh! Breaking curveball, just a little bit above the knees for a call strike, and it is now two and nothing. Ripple steps out of the box for a moment and trying to try that bat of his. Two men out, the bases are loaded, the Giants one run behind. Ripple is up on the count is strike two. Here's the windup, strike two. Here it is. It's a ball. A burning fast ball is high outside. Yes, Charlie Ruffing attempted to pull the string as it were on that one, but it was a little bit too high. And now the count on Ripple is strike two and ball one. Ripple is a left-hand batter. We find Delkirk playing pretty deep with center and left closed in a little bit. DiMaggio is not playing over right center for his left-hand hitter. Strike two and ball one. That was a foul ball that accidentally hit the... Bat of Ripple. It gave the fans a little thrill for a moment. It looks like it might have been a pass ball. Ripple is up there. You know the faces are loaded. Charlie Ruffing again has his glove off. Now he has trying to get that pitching hand of his right out. Boy, is that rain is coming down. It's two and two. Here's the pitch. Ball three. That was a curveball that was over, but just a little bit high. And now a roar goes up from the crowd. This is a tickly slap to the end. Yes, sir. Yes, it's a sick parallel spot if there ever was one. Strike three! Strike three with the bases loaded and the count two and two. Ruffing came in with a hook ball that was low inside, and he swings and misses, and it's a strikeout with the bank loaded. At the end of three innings, the New York Yankees won. New York Giants, nothing. High. Charlie Ruffing got himself in a hole that time and then picked himself up. Carl Huffle first up. Got a wicked single right past Ruffing here in the center field. Then uh, Red wore down a little bit and struck out Joe Moore. Dick Bartell and dodging a high inside pitch. The ball hit his bat and shot over Gary Kess for a single into right field on which Hubble went all the way to third. Gary... Fouled out to Bill Dickey. Hot walk, filling the bases. Ruffing pitching very carefully to him. Didn't give him a good ball. And then, with a count two and two, on Ripple, and the bases loaded. Came through there to fan the batter, giving him his uh, fourth strikeout of the game so far. It's raining much harder, and it looks as though this game cannot go very much longer. All right, we start the fourth inning, Tom. Take it away. Fourth inning, and Bill Dickey is coming up. Here's a bit of humor for you as we gaze out of the center field. The folks and the bleachers out there have newspapers over their heads. But the rain continues down like it is for the moment. 
It'll be just too bad for their clothes and everything else. They all have newspapers now spread over their heads, trying to keep their shoulders and their necks from the rain. But they're not going to have much luck if it keeps coming down as fast as it is at the moment. The umpires have made no particular gesture yet to either delay the game or to call it. None whatever so far as we go to the first half of the fourth inning with the American League out in front by the score of one to nothing. The result of a mighty home run by George Delkirk in the third inning. Now we have Bill Dickey, the Yank catcher, left-hand hitter up. Ball one. Another sweeping curveball. Each time that Gary Gertickey has come to bat this afternoon, Carl Hubble seems to be throwing a sweeping curveball. Not particularly a sharp breaking curve, and not particularly fast. It just seems like a sweeping curve. Here it is. Ball two. Same kind of a pitch as I just explained to you, a sweeping curveball. That's just the outside corner, and the count on Bill Dickey is ball two. He leaps off for the Yanks in the fourth inning. Hubble again winds up. Strike. And that curveball right over the heart of the plate. Bill Dickey elected to work the string out with Hubble. And it is now ball two and strike one. There's the windup. It's a strike call. Carl Hubble seemed to burn that one in. And the count is ball two and strike two. That's going to surprise Bill Dickey a little bit because he wasn't looking for it and he stepped away in spite of the fact it was over the part of the plate. Ball two and strike two. Strike three! Strike three, a nice curve ball that completely fooled Bill Dickey. Bill is walking away without an utterance to the umpire, perfectly satisfied, and it is one man out in the first half of the fourth and nobody out. We have Jake Paul, right-hand batter, the Yankee left fielder coming up. Carl Hubble pitching and Gus Van Chuto on the receiving end. Wind up and we're off, first half of the fourth. Ball one. That was a curveball over the plate, but got a little bit too high, and the count on Paul is one enough. Oh, even the ladies are sitting in their box seats, refusing to move. They're going to take this rain and like it. He swings and misses. Ball one and strike one. I don't know you can't blame them for that. They've been waiting for this old Yankee Giant World Series here in the Polo Grounds. It's been happening for a long time. Today they're getting it, and they're good sports. They're taking it. Ball one and strike one. One out. Nobody on. Ball two. Jake Ball. The first and third baseman in that time by sticking his bat out and dipped the butt, then pulled it away. It was the ball inside, and the count is two and one. Score: Yankees one, Giants nothing. First half, the fourth and foul batting. Ball two, strike one. It's a foul. That ball hits Gus Van Cusel on the leg, and it hurts a little bit. Yes, it does. In the National League, the umpire hands the ball to the catcher while in the American League. The umpire toss the ball out to the pitcher. Now the count is two and two. Powell batting. Ball three. That curve ball of Hubble failed to catch the outside corner to Powell, a right-hand batter. Now we have the count. Ball three. Strike two. One out and nobody on. There's a 
Warning drive. Let Jackson reach for it. Didn't get it. It's a base hit. Paul was rounding first. There's the play at second. It's going to be close. He slides. He's safe. A double. Maybe Powell wrapped that line drive over the head of third baseman Jackson. Jackson leaped in the Air Force. Failed to negotiate the catch by inches. And the ball went on out and turned off the wall 315 feet away where it was picked up out there by Joe Moore. Moore cut loose with a fine throw. But Powell beat it only by an eyelash. And it's a two-base hit for Powell. Manager Bill Terry has walked over to the box. Doug Mancuso, the catcher, has left his position behind the bat. And they are now out there on the mound talking to Carl Hubble. You know, very frequently during a ball game, at no particular meeting or anything, but Bill Terry, being an encouraging manager and having that reputation, steps over in a spot like this and gives his players a few words of encouragement. So far, it seems to be the right strategy because they have won the National League Summit, of course. Runner on second, one man up. And we have Tony Lazzari coming up. A right-hand batter, Hubble. Here it is. Strike. Foul ball. Tip ball that Gutsman Cuso hung on to. One man out, Jake Powell is on second. And the count is strike one. Ball one, that was a fast ball that knocked Tony Lazari out of the batter's box. He stumbled over his foot, but he didn't go down. Ball one and strike one. I don't like to remind you of the rain so often, but it is a matter of importance now, and it is, the rain is still coming down very hard at the moment. Ball one and strike one. See if it comes down any harder, they would have to call it, but nothing is yet. Another foul. Strike two and ball one. Catcher Mancuso rips his mask and cap off, and that's tip foul. Now he has it adjusted, and he's back in there, ready to go. First half of the fourth inning, you know. One man out, Jake Powell on second. Tony Lazari is up, strike two, and ball one. There's a pitch out, the throw at second. He's safe. There was a bit of inside baseball with that count, strike two and ball one. Mancuso definitely called for a pitch out. He whipped the ball down to second base to Burgess Whitehead, but Jake Powell, who had a pretty big lead, was able to get back. And the throw was just a little bit too high. Now we have the count, ball two and strike two with Tony Lazari at back. Outside, the very took almost a half swing at that ball as it broke away, but he was able to hold it to the satisfaction of the umpire and keep, and it's a ball in the count of three and two. Oh, we're going to tip our microphone over just a little bit and get it out of the range, so if you hear a click, that will be it. Ball four, Tony Nazari walks. That count three and two. Apparently, that slippery ball got away from Hubble because it was at least two yards on the outside of the plate. This is the crowd of applause for Selkirk. It was Selkirk, you know, who exploded that mighty home run in the upper deck in right field to put the Yanks out in front in the third inning. As the Yankee batters come up to the plate now, they are carrying a huge foul. 
pretty big call to wipe that bat off before stepping into the batter's box. One man out. Lazari is on first. Jake Powell on second. Carl Hubble in the box. The left-hand pitcher and there's the stretch. First half of the fourth inning. One out. Strike. Boy, what a cut he took at that one. That brought a sigh and the roar out of the crowd. I say a sigh from the Giants fans and a roar from the Yankee fans. It's strike one. One man out, runners on first and second. The pitch, it's a steal, there he goes, there's the throw, the throw is good, and Powell is out at third base, but there he goes to second. The Yankees probably took into consideration that they had a slippery ball there, and uh, with one man out, they attempted the double steal, and Gus Mancuso cut loose with that throw down to Jackson. The throw was high, but Jackson handled it very beautifully, and with the same motion, dipped put the ball on the runner and Paul was declared out. Mark Butcher, the coach at third base, thought perhaps that that was just close enough that the decision could have went to Powell and he told the umpire so, but that's all over and we have two men out. Lazari is on second, Selkirk at bat and it's ball one and strike one. There's the stretch. Ball two. Prior to that pitch, Dick Bartell, the giant shortstop, running over and back of Tony Lazari, trying to keep him as close to that bag as is possible. Burgess White had the second baseman is playing over about 10 or 15 feet from his second base position. Terry is playing over closer to the line. We find Mellot backed up against the right field fence. The pitch is a strike. He misses. Strike two and ball two. opinion of the Giants, Selkirk is a right field hitter, very definitely so, because Ripple in center field is playing in deep right center, Mellon is playing over in front of the 339 foot sign and very close to the wall, with Terry and Whitehead both moves over the right side of the diamond. The count is two and two, there's the pitch, all three, that was almost a wild pitch, the ball hit the edge of home plate, Gus Mancuso is trying to pick it up, batted it halfway out to the pitcher's box, walked out, picked it up, and has now walked all the way out to the pitcher's box. day like this, you know, we almost feel inclined to say first down and ten to go, or something like that. Two men out. Tony Lazari is on second, the first half of the fourth inning. Score, Yankees one, Giants nothing. The umpires the, delayed the game for a moment and the giant mascot has walked out with a fresh bag of blood. He dries his hand and then throws it back to the mascot. I wonder if they're going to go through with that procedure between each pick. If we do, we'll be here to say Merry Christmas time. All right, it's three and two. There's a bit of inside baseball that we overlooked. It's three and two, and rather than to leave that Rodgers bag out there and get all wet, just walked out and gave him enough for this one pitch. The count three and two, two men out, the runner on second. Here it is. Strike three! Selkirk, as you all know by this time, responsible for the only run scored so far with his home run in the third inning. Fan leaving the very on second to retire the Yankees in their turn in the fourth. Take it away, Tom. Right at the moment, I see one of the groundskeepers taking care of home plate. The time we uh, haven't let the boys around the country say good afternoon to us for quite a while. So if it's all right with you, we'll pause right now for station identification. 
lineup, Gary gets first, Rosary second, Rosetti at short, and Wolf at third. And the strong point, Charlie Ruffing, their big, red-headed, smiling pitcher who has had a grand year in the American League, has been in the box, and Phil Dickey uh, behind the back. In the outfield, of course, they have to tell Kirk to hit that homer in right, DiMaggio in center, and Wolf is in left field. Now for the Giants, of course, they have more in left field. Martell playing short, Terry first, Malak right, Ripple in center, Matthew so catching, Whitehead at second, Jackson at third, and Carl Hubble in the box. They have made no changes, they're going along, and the big story of the game so far as we reach the first half is one to nothing in favor of the Yankees, and Carl Hubble will be the first batter to the last half of the fifth inning. Tom Manning speaking. I've had the pleasure of broadcasting the play-by-play the first half, and now the last half will come to you to the voice of Ty Tyson. All right, Tom, here we go. Move the mic a little bit. Up has one hit. The one time he's finished back. So far, Hubble has struck out four of the Yankees, while Red Ruffing has struck out five of the Giants. First pitch to Hubble. Ball one, low and inside. Ruffing Throws the rubber starts his wind up for the next pitch. It's coming in and he fouled it back over Dickey's head. Strike one. The count is one and one. Hubble leading off in the Giants' half of the fifth. The score, one nothing in favor of the Yankees. The Yankees have made five hits and the Giants have made three. As far as bases on balls are concerned, Ruffing has passed two and Hubble has passed none. Foul ball going into the stand. Another strike. And the count is two strikes and one ball. Hubble has walked one man. Ruffing gets a new ball. He roughs it up a little bit. Love off his glove hand. Taking plenty of time out here. They wonder if they can fix the way they are with the adverse conditions. Here's the pitch. It's a curveball and he hits it on the ground to second base. There's the pickup. And he's out at first. Lazeri to Jerry. Easy chance for Tony Lazeri. One man gone in the fifth. And Joe Moore, left fielder for the Giants, slide out to left field the first time at bat, struck out the second time. One out and nobody on. Yankees leading one to nothing in the last half of the fifth. Left-hand hitter, he steps in there, roughing raises his arm for the pitch, and it's a curveball, which he pops a foul. Dickey is going back for it. He's under it. He has it. Two men out. Nobody on. And Dick Bartell, shortstop for the Giants, who also fly to left in the first inning and hit himself a single in the third inning. Right-hand batter comes up. Roughing out there, throwing around at the pitcher's rubber. It's awfully tough out there, not only on gripping the ball, but also on their footwork. Because their feet get balled up to this day, getting very muddy. And while he steps into the pitcher's slot, there's the wind-up, and it's a curve, low and outside, ball one. One ball is a count, two men off, nobody on. Redhead stamped around out there, kicks the mud out of his feet. He's on a rubber now in pitching position. There's the bend, there's the wind-up, and it's a sidearm service style back on the roof here. Strike one, the count is one and one. Two men out and nobody on. Ruffing gets a new ball and goes through the usual procedure of giving it just a bit of a rub, taking some of that shine off of it. The 
down to 21. Two men out and nobody on. One nothing in favor of the Yankees. There's the windup. Here's the pitch. The drive out. One run. The 
Baggio leading off in the sixth. Ron goes up for the pitch. Here it is. It's inside. Joe ducking away from that fastball. Ball one. High inside pitch. And the count one and one. Up punches his shoulder to pitch. Takes his time. The long breath. There's the windup. Here's the pitch. He's swung and missed up in the third ball. Just, just under his swing. About a belt high pitch. Joe was looking for a high passing. Following the one up pitch, Hubble broke it down, and the count is two strikes on one ball. There's the motion for the next pitch. Another One out. That's the fifth strikeout registered by Hubble. Now all square with Luffy. Blue uh, Gehrig is up. No hit. In two times at that. First time he grounded the carry, who caused the Hubble to the out. Second time he hit one right back, and he's rebounded right back to Hubble. <laughs> one away and one off. High score of one run. There's the motion. Here's the pitch. A card strike as Hubble broke the curve over Belt High. One strike on Columbia lose. One man out of nobody on. Hubble pitching. The arm goes up for the motion. A curve low. Ball one. Count is one and one. Umpire Cy Freeman giving a new ball to Judd Mancuso. I believe the ball even gets wet coming in from the pitcher to the catcher. One and one. Up back is motion. Here it is. A curve outside it just looked that outside corner by inches. And Gus didn't believe it missed. He stuck it into his glove. He starts out from the back of Hubble. He counted two balls in one strike. Very good there. Bending a little bit. Cutting himself. There's the wind up. Here's the pitch. And he hits it on the ground. Ball down the first baseline. Will Carey made a nice pick up the tapping. Got a nice hand at the claws from the crowd. The count now is two strikes and two balls. One man out, nobody on. He carries the batter in the score. Tied at one run. As we're playing the first half of the sixth inning. Couple left to his new ball a bit. As his glove hanging on his arm. Now he puts the glove back on the right hand. Eric steps out of the batter's box, back in. All the uh, batter's box lines have been obliterated long ago. They can't be guessed whether they're in or out. There's the motion. Here's the pitch. Eric called the pass by one back. And the count is still two and two. He came in there with a high passing. And Lou is just a bit under with his swing. Here's a nice gesture. Gus Mancuso giving Eric... A little rosin bag which he carries in his hip pocket. So Luke can get a little on his hands there as the bat won't slip out. There's a motion for the next pitch. And Gary. Number two in that inning and number six for the game. Cub had plenty of down on that. Down and out to the left hand hitter. Bill Dickey, another left hand batter, is up. Grounded out second. Base, first time at bat and fan the second time up. 
ball going on. There's the motion. Here's the pitch. A called strike on Harbor broke the third over Bell Five. One strike on Columbia Lou. One man out and nobody on. Number 15. The arm goes up for the motion. A curve low. Ball one. Count is one and one. Cy Furman giving a new ball to Jack Mancuso. I believe the ball even gets wet coming in from the pitcher to the catcher. One run. Up catches motion. Here it is. A curve outside. It just missed that outside corner by inches. And Gus couldn't believe it missed. Dumped it into the glove. That's passing it back to Hubble. Counted two balls in one strike. Standing a little bit, setting himself. There's the windup. Here's the pitch, and he hits it on the ground. Ball oh, down first baseline. Bill Perry made a nice pick up as happened. Got a nice hand of applause from the crowd. The count now is two strikes and two balls. One man out, nobody on. He carries the batter in his fourth side at one run after playing the first half of the sixth inning. That's this new ball a bit. Has his gloves hanging on his arm. Now he puts the glove back on the right hand. Very stepped out of the batter's box back in. All the uh, batter's box lines have been obliterated long ago. Just have to guess whether they're in or out. There's the motion. Here's the pitch. Gary Powell, the pass, firing back. And the count is still two and two. Came in there with a high passing. And Lee was just a bit under with his swing. Here's a nice gesture, Gus Mancuso giving Gehrig the little rosin bag which he carries in his hip pocket. So loose and get a little on his hands there as the bat won't slip out. There's the motion for the next pitch. And Gehrig... Number two in that inning and number six for the game. Hub had plenty of down on that one. Down and out to a left-hand hitter. Bill Dickey, another left-hand batter, is up. Grounded out, second base, first down at bat, and spanned the second time up. Double is ready. There's the slow wind-up, and the first pitch to go is a curve over that outside corner between the knees and the belt for a called strike. Double is certainly, certainly bending that sponge out there now. There's the motion for the next one. A fast knee high over the outside corner for the second call strike. Dickey looking for a curve that time and Carl Crossing has got the fastball knee high. And the count is two and nothing. Two men out, nobody on. The score called at one run. Dixon is the day of the big rain. The arm goes up in the motion. Here's the pitch. Low outside. Great ball there. Two and nothing to count. He thought maybe Dickey might go for a batting. And the count, two strikes and one ball. Hubble has the sign. Mancuso comes up out of the crouch. Here's the pitch. Dickey hits one down first baseline right over the bag. Terry has it, waving everybody away, and Bill is out. 
pitches a foul strike. Six to drive into Bill Dickey's mitt. One strike on Whitehead. One man out. Mancuso on first. Just takes a bit of a lead. Not very much. And the next pitch is a pop fly to the center of the diamond. Red Ross coming in almost to the plate to make that catch for the second out. Rolf, Yankee third baseman, came in almost to home plate to make the catch of that pop fly by Burgess Whitehead. Travis Jackson, third baseman for the Giants, fans the first time, grounded out short to first, second time at bat is up. Just man Chuso on first, and two men out. The Giants leading 2-1 in the sixth inning. There's a stretch. Here's the pitch. A high fly out into short left center field. Joe DiMaggio setting himself under it for the catch. He has it. And that ends the sixth inning. One run. Two hits. No error. One man left. Hot opens with a double. Sacrificed to third by Ripple. Came home on Mancuso's single to left. Whitehead pops the roll. And Jackson slides to Maggio's short left hand. A Ford V8 is powerful yet economical. Tests show better than 20 miles to the gallon that speeds up to 40 miles per hour. All right, Tom. Well, it's still a ball game. It's 2-1 now in favor of the National League. The Giants Sports going to run across that time when Melvin Ox, the right fielder, caught the Yanks up and poked a double down the left field corner. And, of course, he came home on the single that followed, putting the National League in front at the end of six innings, two to one. Again, the umpires are coming over to the pitcher's box, and once more, the groundkeeper is rushed down with a pail full of dry dirt. Very hard for Hubble or Ruffing to get a foothold out there, particularly so after they come down on their foot and deliver the ball. Seems to be sliding away on them. It's going to be detained for a few moments from time to time until they dry up that time. Even on the air, the game has started over two, just about two hours ago. When he completed six innings. That's very slow, but one of the reasons that we observed for that slowness is that these two teams are very deliberate in figuring everything out. It's going to be a rather lengthy game. Well, we passed two-thirds of the way. We're going into the first half of the seventh. The American League is coming to bat, and... We'll have Jakey Powell, the left fielder, right-hand batter, first up. But Carl Hubble and Mancuso still the strong point for the Giants. Carl Hubble is having a lot of difficulty out there in getting his foothold. He's still kicking the mud around and trying to smooth it. But in a moment or so, we'll be ready with the first pitch in the cup. Powell has had a single and a double in the two times he's been at bat so far. Hubble raises his arm for the first pitch to Jakey, and he hits that one on the line over short top ahead, taking on the first hop. Out in left field by Joe Moore, a single. Which makes Jake a perfect day at bat. Two singles and a double. Tony Lazeri is up, the tying runners on first base. Lazeri fanned the first time at bat and walked the second time up. 2-1 in favor of the Giants. This is the seventh inning just opening up. I don't know but what they'll rechristen this field after today and call it the water polo ground instead of just the plain polo ground. It's getting very much inundated. 
Double pitching from the shoulder without a wind up with a runner on base, and the first one comes in there knee high for a call strike on Lazari. Right hand hitter. One strike on Push him up, Tony. Jakey Powell taking practically no lead off first. It's a heavy going. Now he's edging off just a bit. And a toss to first drives him back. Wasn't even close. One strike on Lazari. Hubble is on the rubber, ready to pitch now. Here it comes, and it's outside. Ball one. Waste high pitch outside. Count is even at one and one. Powell on first with a tying run. The Giants are leading two to one. And this is the seventh inning. Carl has the sign. Mancuso comes up out of the crowd. Here's the pitch. Lazari hitting a foul on the ground off third base way for the second strike. Powell was well on his way and around second base. Coming back now, the count is two strikes and one ball. Two and one. Lazari drying his hands on his socks. Steps back in the batter's box now. Kicks a little mud off his feet. Or rather, a lot of mud off his feet. Counted two strikes and one ball. Nobody out. There's a stretch for the next pitch. Coming in. Lazari took that one a high one. Ball two. Just a little bit high. And the count is two and two. Once again, Hub is ready. There's the stretch. Powell edging a bit off first. Here comes the pitch to Lazari, and he swings and misses for the third strike. A ball that was outside. And that's number seven for Hubble. One man gone. Selkirk is up. George hit his home run the first time at bat to put the Yankees in the lead. And then struck out the last time up leaving Lazari on second to end the fourth inning. Powell on first, one out. And Hubble passing to first. Powell back safely. Carl gets set again in there. Not in pitching position, now he is. There's the stretch. Coming in. Swinging strike of curve that was breaking away from him. He just managed to stick it to the end of his bat. And the count is one strike on twinkle toes George Selkirk. Right field for the Yankees. Hubble clutching the ball. Dancing over here, getting the sign. Now he looks over toward first base. Powell takes a little bit of a lead. Here's the pitch. He hits it on the ground to Terry. Terry is pausing to start stop. Forcing Powell at second. Selkirk on first with two down. And Powell is forced at second. Terry to Bartell. Charlie Ruffing is up. Rounded out to the pitcher the first time at bat. Struck out the second time up. 
Charlie was a good hitting pitcher. He's often used in the role of a pinch hitter, just like brother Wesley Farrell of the Boston Red Sox. First pitch to roughing is low. He's a right-hand batter. Ball one. Two men out. Delkirk on first. The score 2-1 in favor of the Giants in the seventh inning of the first game. Hubble takes his time. Taking a stretch now. He's ready. Here's the pitch to roughing, and he hits the foul back here. Right. One. And the count is one and one. Back here in the stand. Two men out. Two men out and one man on. Hubble hunches his shoulders a bit. Now he's ready. There's the stretch. Toss the first instead. Delkirk back without much effort. Holmes out there keeping him on, coaching. Here's the pitch to Ruffing, and he struck out, swinging, going for a slow, low-breaking curve. No run, one hit, no error. Powell led off with a single. Lazeri fanned. Selkirk forced Powell at second, carry to Bartell, and Ruffing went down, swinging. Take it, Tom. Well, that's the resume given you by Ty. Now we're going into the last half of the seventh. New York Giants now are out in front by the score of 2-1. to one. A lot of you are getting home from work, so we might tell you that the Yanks took the lead in the third inning. George Shelker, right fielder, left-hand batter, flashed to the mighty home run, high up in the upper sec of the right field stand. Home run, perhaps, from any ballpark in either league. And Dick Bartell, even matters up by flashing equally as long a home run in the opposite direction, in the upper deck in left field. That home run that Selkirk hit was over 339 feet. It's marked on the ground. I believe it's almost 50 feet to the railing upstairs, and that's where he poked that home Martell is over the 315-foot sign, and it's about 50 feet up to the railing of the upper deck there. So you can well imagine what a mighty poke that was. WMAQ, Chicago. And drives that are close to the bag and so forth. So again, uh, we shall hear from the boys over the network of NBC, and we call for station identification. WMAQ, Chicago. National Broadcasting Company box at the Polo Grounds in New York City for the first game of the World Series between the Giants of the National League and the Yankees of the American League. We're thinking for a moment of the folks perhaps around the country who are enjoying the bright sunshine day. Very bad day here in New York yesterday. Late last night it was thought by many of the folks in charge that today's game will have to be called up. However, we got up this morning and it was a bright day. Very acceptable to baseball. Came here to the Polo Grounds and shortly after the start of the ball game, it became very cloudy and started to drizzle. That drizzle increased and we've been sitting in a pretty steady downpour of rain since that home run in the third inning. Perhaps that home run had something to do with the elements, but anyhow, it has really been raining. 
players are drenched, the field is drenched, and his spot starts on out of becoming very wet. That round of applause you heard a moment ago for the groundkeepers who have just repaired the diamond and spot, and partly for Carl Hubble, who will be the leadoff man for the Giants in the last half of the seventh. He's up there now, he's had one hit and two times at bat. Ruffick starts his wind-up on the first pitch to Hubble. His hits, a pop fly, Blue Gehrig in foul territory, coming over here for the catch. About 50 feet away from first base toward the field box. One man out. And next is Joe Moore with no hits. In the two times he's been up there. Three times, rather. Rain is even obliterating the marks on the scorecard. Or another left-hand hitter. And roughing is ready. Here's the pitch. He hits one out to dead center field. DiMaggio circling under it, waiting for it, and has it. He hardly had to move for that one. Dead center field, fly ball. Two out. None on. And Dick Bartell, whose home run put the Giants on equal terms. The Yankees. Then a little later, Melot double. Gus Van single. Got them into the lead. Bartella's had a single and a home run and three times at bat. Little fella, right hand hitter. Crappy lad. There's the motion on the first pitch to Dick. Is a high fly foul. Back at third base. It's being chased by Red Roth, but it's in the stands. Another souvenir bounding around there. We were a little alarmed earlier in the game when Rolf crashed into a railing of a field box down here because, you know, Red has been out of the game part of the time with a cracked rib. We didn't know whether that would do him any harm or not. Evidently, it didn't. One strike on Bartell. Two men out. Nobody on the step. Score 2-1 in favor of the Giants. National League representative. And here's the next pitch to Dick. It's a high fly right out in front of the plate. Now it's blowing foul, and Dickie comes back after circling a bit. Almost fell before making the catch, and the side is retired. Three up and three away. No run, no hit, no error. Hubble. Foul to Gary. Moore fly to the to uh, DiMaggio, and Bartell fouls to Dickie. While waiting for the Yankees to come to bat, we would like to call to your attention the Ford and Lincoln Zephyr dealers nationwide clearance sale of used cars. More than 150,000 outstanding bargains in dependable transportation are offered. Your nearby Ford dealer has his share. See his selection of used cars and late models of all the popular makes. All right, Tom. Well, the old ball game was moving along. American League up here is going to have to step on it very short. Now completed the seventh inning. We have two more whacks at the southpaw traps of Mr. Hubble. We find the top of the batting order coming up again. Just a moment ago, the uh, officials here at the Polo Grounds in New York have estimated the crowd for the first day at 48,000 people. And the seating capacity here in the Polo Grounds of just a little bit over 51,000. So the estimated attendance for the first game in spite of the fact that it's been a gloomy, rainy day, threatening weather ever since yesterday morning, they have 48,000 people here. Uh, 
for the tomorrow's game will also be played at the Polo Grounds. And with a day like this, I suggest the boys get themselves some oars because it is still raining, still awfully wet out there. First half of the evening, Hubble ready, Rossetti in the box, and here we go. Frank has had no hits in three times at bat. Hubble starts his lineup, and the first pitch to Rossetti is a ground ball foul. Down third baseway, strike one. Jackson went over there, of course, but the ball was outside, probably 10 feet. One strike on Prosetti. Leading off in the eighth inning. Hubble working slowly. Pitching up his trousers, drying off the ball. Now he's ready to go. There's the motion. It comes in there. It's another one down first baseline, and that was fair by inches going on out into the corner. Four, two bases if he can make it. He overslid the bag, he's safe. This was a great play down there at second base. Left fielder got that ball in there very fast. Joe Moore to Burgess Whitehead, the second base. Rossetti beat the throw, but overslid the bag. Then Whitehead missed the tag as Rossetti was sliding back. And he's waved safely by umpire Major Curse. Steady on second. As a result of that double, shuts inside the third baseline. Travis Jackson dives for the ball. Couldn't possibly get it. And squirted on out in the corner in foul territory. They've got a couple of towels out there. Drying off both the lads that were on the ground. Bartell and Rossetti. And now the Yankees have another chance to tie the score. The runner on second and nobody out. It's like a football game. Look at the towels out there. It certainly does. Well, it's, it's certainly more football weather than baseball weather. I think that's one of the funniest boys we ever saw tonight. Both those boys are off the wagon. Neither one of them has got enough football back. to make the player get back to the bag right. or anything else. Absolutely. We're both doing that Australian crawl. <laughs> well, the next man up is Red Rolf. One hit and three times a bat, a left-hand hitter. And the tying run is on second base. Rossetti standing down there in one of the puddles. Bartell right behind him, running over to second. Foul, attempting to bunt. The idea is to move him around if possible. Rolf's best effort that time was a foul off to the left of the plate. Strike one. The remarkable thing of this game, Tom, is no error. Look at the white uniform. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of mudders out there. Bartell is not giving Prosetti any chance for a lead there with this expected sacrifice play coming up. Here's the pitch, and it's outside. Ball one, one and one. They're keeping Jackson anchored at third. With Terry and Hubble looking after the bunt. And Whitehead, or Bartell rather, keeps uh, Prosetti from taking any lead off second right on the bag now. Rossetti has about a 10-foot lead. Hubble takes his stretch. Here's the pitch to Rolf. He punts one in front of the plate. And Hubble fails to pick the ball up.
No time at bat for off. Error charge to Hubble. First error of the ball game. And that moves Crescetti over to third. I should have delayed for a moment while you was explaining that I had a chance to get my ear close enough to the official score. They had a discussion on that. Hubble came uh, tearing in. His feet gave way. And there was quite some deciding up there among the officials as to whether to score that as a hit or an error. They let it go as a sacrifice and error. That's right. Okay. DiMaggio up. One hit in three times as fast. Tying run is on third. Nobody out. Another possible run on first. Score 2-1 in favor of the Giants. First half of the eighth inning. Joe got his hit a single to right field in the third inning. Grants the shortstop and struck out on other trips to the plate. Stepped out of the batter's box just now. As Hubble was about ready to pitch. Carl has already fanned eight of the Yankees. Here's the first one coming in, and it's a, a low-line drive for a double play, almost a triple play, a low-line drive. The first is Whitehead taking it off his shoe tops and tossing to Perry to double Ralph off first. Two men out, Presetti still on third. That was a rescuing play that pulled Hubble out of a bad spot, and the Giants are huddling around pitcher's box now with Gary coming up. He may be ordered to pass him, although Gary has not gotten the ball out of the infield. Grounding first to Terry, then to the to Hubble, and the last time up, he struck out. DiMaggio lined to Burgess, a low-line drive off to Burgess' left. He picked it off his shoe top, then through to Terry to double Rolf off first. The crowd is still in an uproar over that play. Teddy is being fouled off a bit, where he's been down on the ground. His gray pants are not quite so spotless as they were when the team took the field this afternoon. Now here's the picture, two men out. Bang run on third, and Lou Gehrig is the batter. All right, here's the windup. First pitch to Lou. Hit him right in the rib. Gary hit with a pitch ball. He isn't hurt. He's shaking the mud off his clothes and going slowly down to first base. Runners on third and first. Two men out. And Dickey with no hit in three times as bad as up. Bill hasn't gotten the ball out of the infield either. Rounding out to second base. Striking out. And uh, grounding to Terry. Two men out for Teddy on third. Terry on first. That certainly was a rescuing play on the part of second baseman Burgess Whitehead. Dicky, a left-hand batter in there, waving a bubble. Up takes his stretch. And here's the pitch. It's an inside pitch, letter high, ball one. Dickey backing away from it. Brought it 2-1 in favor of the Giants. Eighth inning, runners on third and first and two out. Couple takes his stretch for the next pitch to Dickey. And Bill hits an easy bounder to Terry at first. Terry making the put on. And 
ending a very exciting inning. He listened to that crowd roar. No runs, one hit, and the first error of the ball game. That was easily the outstanding inning of the first game of the World Series. But a lot of things happened, and here they are. Rossetti first up, and he hit one just over that bag for a double. He then slid into second base, overslid the bag. Burgess Whitehead, who handled the ball after it was retrieved by Moore, tried to make that play at second, but he was out there in the mud, and he was sliding around, just couldn't get on his feet or on his knees either, and neither could Crosetti. But finally, Crosetti got back, and I thought that was a beautiful decision by Major Kurt, who just kept his nose right over that play until it's completion. Then Rolf laid down a punt, Hubble, in his hurry to knock that Crosetti off at third base, overran the ball. The official scorers then decided it to be scored as a sacrifice and an error. DiMaggio then came to bat, and he smacked one of the hardest hit balls of the afternoon, a low line drive, on his way to right field. Whitehead came over, picked the ball off his shoe top, then threw it to Bill Terry. And here's where a great bit of brain work came in. Bill Terry had a chance to enter the Hall of Fame with his Giants, as it were, by making a triple play. He saw that Crosetti was off that bag, but that ball was awful slippery, particularly after it had been tossed around by Whitehead and himself. Instead of throwing that ball over to third base and possibly into the stands, very coolly, he stood there and hung out of the ball and was satisfied with a double play. Then, of course, Jerry was hit by a pitch ball, and the mighty Yankee catcher, Bill Dickey, left-hand batter, came up and found it out weakly to carry unassisted. Well, I thought that was an outstanding bit of framework on the part of manager Bill. Instead of trying to complete the double triple play, he was satisfied with a double and that one-run lead that they have as they go in to the last half of the eighth and carry it back. Bill is up there, and here comes roughing first pitch. It's a called strike. Low breaking curve about knee high. One strike on Terry, who has made one hit in the three times he's been at bat. One and three. There's the windup for the next pitch, and here it is. It's a drive out into right center field. Good for a base. DiMaggio heaving it in the second. Lazari has it now, and Terry is on first as the result of his second hit in this game. Nobody out. Giants leading 2-1. And Mel Ott with a perfect day, two walks and a double, is the next batter. Left-hand hitter, and we'll see whether the Giants play for another run or try for maybe a cluster of them. Chances are that Ott will sacrifice here. Red Rolf is expecting it. He's in on the wet grass, playing in from third base. Ruffing takes his stance on the rubber. There's the stretch. Then it's a pitch outside and low, ball one. Carry on first and nobody out in this eighth inning. The Giants out in front, two to one. Ruffing throws the rubber, he's ready. There's the stretch, pitching without a windup. He's swinging and fouling it back. Strike one, the count is one and one. That may be just a bit of camouflage. He may shorten up and bunt on this next one. Never can tell what these boys are going to do to cross up the opposition. One and one is the count. Ruffing puddles the ball a bit. Ready now, there's the stretch and here's the pitch. It's a bunch along first baseline. He dragged it down there. He may get a hit. He did. The drag went along first baseline for a single. Gary came in for it. 
But for the time Lou could get the ball, there was no chance for the play at first. And that gives Ott a perfect day with two hits in two official trips to the plate. Walked the first two times, doubled the third time, and dragged the bunch along first baseline for a single to advance Perry. The Giants have runners on second and first. Nobody out, and Jim Ripple is up. Jim has no hit in two official trips up. Laid down a sacrifice the last time up to move up over to third, where he scored on Mancuso's single. That hits putting the Giants in the lead, two to one. Now both Gary and Rolf are in on the grass, expecting a buck from Ripple, a right-hand batter, or left-hand batter, rather. Ruffing takes his stretch, and along third baseline, fair. Strike on Terry, who has made one hit in the three times he's been at bat. One and three. The wind up for the next pitch, and here it is. It's a drive out into right center field. Good for a base. DiMaggio heaving it in the second. Lazari has it now, and Terry is on first as the result of his second hit in this game. Nobody out. Giants leading two to one. And Mellot with a perfect day. Two walks and a double is the next batter. Left hand hitter. And we'll see whether the Giants play for another run or try for maybe a cluster of it. Chances are the pot will sacrifice here. Red Rolf is expecting it. He's in on the wet grass, playing in from third base. Ruffing takes his stance on the rubber. There's the stretch. And it's a pitch outside and low, ball one. Carry on first and nobody out in this eighth inning. Giants out in front, two to one. Ruffing throws the rubber. He's ready. There's the stretch, pitching without a windup. He's swinging and fouling it back. Strike one. The count is one and one. That may be just a bit of common sludge. He may shorten up and bunt on this next one. Never can tell what these boys are going to do to cross up the opposition. One and one is the count. Ruffing bottles the ball a bit. Ready now, there's the stretch, and here's the pitch. It's a bunch along first baseline. He dragged it down there. He may get a hit. He did. A drag bunt along first baseline for a single. Gary came in for it. But for the time Luke could get the ball, there was no chance for the play at first. And that gives up a perfect day with two hits in two official trips to the plate. Lost the first two times, doubled the third time. Drag the bunch along first baseline for the single to advance Perry. The fans have runners on second and first. Nobody out, and Jim Ripple is up. Jim has no hit in two official trips up. Laid down a sacrifice the last time up to move up over to third, where he scored on Mancuso's single. That hits putting the fans in the lead two to one. Now both Gary and Rolf are in on the grass, expecting a bunch from Ripple, a right-hand batter, or left-hand batter, rather. 
Ruffing takes his stretch, and with that first pitch, it's not along third baseline. Fair. He got it first on a sacrifice of play B. Ross Gary Canting that wet ball nicely. Advancing both runners, and the Giants have carry on third. And hot on second with one out. Ripple has come through nicely. Both times have been up there ordered to sacrifice. Play with Walt to Gary. Third to first. Mancuso. One hit. And a very timely one at that. With three times at bat. Right hand batter is the next one. And again the Yankee infield. Forced to play in. Or a play at the plate. Now the boys handle this ball off that wet turf. Beyond me. Ruffing starts his wind up at the pitch out. Ball one. Now we'll see about this next one. And then we'll tell you it's an intentional pass. Ball two. Mancuso is being given an intentional pass. Bring up Whitehead to set the stage for double play. Ball three. Three ball. And the arm goes up for the next one. Ball four. Intentional pass to Mancuso. Setting the stage for what the Yankees hope will be a double play ball. But versus Whitehead furnishing it. Ground ball hit. And we'll see where the Burgess crosses the dope. He's had no hits in three times at bat. Carry on third. Ott on second. And Cuso on first. One man out. Two one in favor of the Giants. Eighth inning. First game of the 1936 World Series. Here's the first pitch to Whitehead. A curve outside. Ball one. more of that blue dirt out of his shoes out there. They built up that pitcher's feet several times this afternoon. Fresh earth. There's the windup for the next one. Inside and high. Ball two. And the count is two and nothing. One man out of the base is loaded. Now there's the windup, two and two's the count. Here's the pitch. It's low and outside. Oh, three. A base on balls. Fourth center run. A hit will score one or more. And the count is three and two. What will it be? Wrapping is on the rubber. There's the windup. Here it comes. It's ball four. Low. Forcing in. Manager 
Major Bill Terry with the third run for the Giants and keeping the bases still packed with one man out. Court is now 3-1 in favor of the Giants. The National Leaguers and Travis Jackson. No hits in three times at bat. Here's the next hitter. Right-hand batter. And now we find Ott on third. And Cuso on second. And Whitehead on first. One man out. Jackson, a right-hand batter, is up. Roughing starts winding. Here's the pitch. Jackson swinging and missing. He's in close to the handle. To a right-hand batter, strike one. Travis is walking around in the mud down there and trying to kick it off his feet. Roughing starts his winding, and here's the next pitch. A curve low, and he swung at that one for the second strike. He's protesting that he didn't go through with his swing, but umpire Fearman shake it ahead. It's strike two, two and nothing. One man out, three men on, and the pitch is outside, ball one. High pitch outside, and the count, two strikes and one ball. One man out, and the base is packed. Something rubs that new ball a bit. Hiding it behind him, now he's on the rubber, working with a full motion. Of course, the base is loaded. Low, ball two, and the count is two and two. Only one error made in this game. Played under very terrible conditions. Not very excusable one. He knows made even on dry field. Kind of trouble made. Ruffing takes his time. There's the motion. Here's the pitch. It's a foul ball. Already two and two. Foul ball out of the stand. First base break. Two and two with one out and three off. And the score three one in favor of the New York Giants. The National League entry in this World Series. Ruffing doesn't like the ball he has. He's tossing it away, getting a new one. I have point of emphasis, Johnny Coker down there warming up, and on the other side, that left-hander happens to be Lefty Gomez. That means one of two things, Coker may relieve, and Gomez may be the tip-off on tomorrow's starter. What do you think? I think Lefty will start tomorrow. He's getting nice and wet, so he'll be in shape if he keeps on raining. We're still waiting here for Ruffing to get going again with a count two and two. Jackson with a base is packed and one out. There's the windup, and here's the pitch. He hits the high fly ball out of the center field. DiMaggio surfing under it. It's far enough to score the runner from third. Joe has it. Here comes his throw. But Hawk crosses the plate, standing up with the fourth. Giant run. Uh, Mancuso tying up at second. And, of course, Whitehead then remaining on first. Travis Jackson drove in that fourth run. 
double. With that one hit, three times at bat, pitched himself out of some tough spots, gets a great hand as he comes up. Two men gone now. Jackson, high and long fly to DiMaggio, which scored Ott for the second run of this inning, and the fourth for the Giants of the game. And here's the pitch. Hubble broke his bat, rounding a slow one for Lasseri. And Lasseri allowed the ball to hop off his shoulder when it took a high bound. This is for Van Cuso. Lasseri's throw getting away from Nicky. Still is chasing it, throwing to Ruffing. And also left Whitehead in. And Hubble went all the way to third. Pretty much of a riot there. Then picks the ball up, and on a touching, he gets Whitehead at the plate. He threw 
Lucas Mancuso, he threw Wild. Sticky Dan back, picked the ball up, and is trying to get Whitehead to Wild at the plate, permitting Hubble to go to third. But of course, Moore made the point, and we're in the ninth inning now, the score, 6 to 1, in favor of the New York Giants. Jakey Powell is up, a perfect day, three hits and three times at bat, and Hubble's first pitch, falling inside to a right hand hitter, ball one. Score is 6 1, in favor of the Giants. Wind up for the next pitch and Powell rounds the shortstop. There's Bartell throw to Terry and Powell is out. Shorts the first, first man out in the ninth. Next is Tony Lazeri. No hits at two times as fast. Man fight, walk one. One out of the ninth. Giants leading six to one. Boy, and I'm going to look up this fellow Noah when this is over. Gone, nobody on. There's a wind up for the next pitch, and it's in on the inside corner of the series. Dealt high for a call strike. That second call strike is tough. Put that screw ball in there knee high to the series, and the count is two and nothing. One man out of nobody on in the ninth. Hubble starts his motion for the next pitch. Lazeri bounded his ball on the second base. Whitehead is up with it. Terry has it. And Lazeri is out at first. Two out in the ninth. And some of the doggy customers are moving towards the exit. As Selkirk, George Selkirk comes up. One hit and three times at bat. A home run. Opening that third inning. That wasn't enough. By five. Hubble raises it off for the first pitch to Twinkle Toes. A swinging strike. Letter high pitch. George backs out of the batter's box. And becoming resembling more or less of a hog wallow. As far as the rosin bag from Gus Mancuso, tucked it back in his hip pocket. Hubble throws the rubber and starts his motion for the next pitch. Here it is. Selkirk also bounds to Whitehead. He's rushing in on the ball. There's the toss to Terry. And the ball game is over. No run. No hit. No error in the ninth. Three up and three away. And the Giants win the first game. Six to one.
This has been Beyond the Doubt, the wettest World Series game since the last one of the 1925 World Series played at Pittsburgh. Then I think there was a little more water, but I doubt if it could have been any more uncomfortable for players and fans alike than this game today. Under the circumstances in which the game was played, the pitching of both Hubble and Red Ruffing was remarkable. Both of them kept control, which was a strange thing because of the fact that the ball was slippery. Another remarkable thing was the fact that there was only one error made up until the time in the eighth inning when the Yankees began to go in for wholesale error making. And that one was more or less excusable. It was made by Hubble when he came in fast for a bunt and sort of overran it. Uh, the pitchers both had fine control up until the eighth inning when Ruffing allowed one base on balls that hurt him. That was one that passed the runner across the base was given when the bases were filled. Up until then, up until the eighth inning, it was almost anybody's ball game. Selkirk's home run started the Yankees off in the lead, and Bartell's home run tied it. After that, Ruffing's difficulty was that he couldn't stop the power of the Giants. That is to say, Ott, Terry, and Mancuso were able to hit him. Hubble, after he was hit for that one home run by Selkirk, had no particular trouble in keeping Garrick, DiMaggio, and Dickey quiet all afternoon. And the only time he needed any help, Burgess Whitehead came to his relief with the greatest feeling play of the series when he made a, a double play on a low-line drive hit by DiMaggio and relieved Hubble the only time that Carl asked for any quarter from anybody. Here it is, time. Thank you, Warren Brown. Tomorrow afternoon, beginning at 1.15, the second World Series game will be broadcast over this same station by the Ford and Lincoln Zephyr Dealers of America. Don't miss it. And in the meantime, watch the Fords go by. Well, that radio friends is our story for the afternoon. You've heard the play-by-play description of the first game of the 1936 Blue Ribbon Classic. It started at 1.15. Kai said good afternoon to you. The second game will be played here at the Polo Grounds tomorrow afternoon, and we'll be on the air at 1.15. The first half of the play-by-play this afternoon, presented by yours truly, Tom Manning of Cleveland. The second half of the game by Ty Tyson of Detroit, and we were ably assisted this afternoon by the expert advice of that nationally famous baseball authority, Laura. Brown of Chicago. We'll be with you again tomorrow afternoon. This concludes the first broadcast of the World Series. It came to you through the facilities of the National Broadcasting Company. We wish to thank the American Home Products Company, Procter & Gamble, and the Marrow Manufacturing Company for their courtesy in relinquishing their broadcast periods over most of these stations this afternoon in order that we could bring you the description of the World Series baseball game. The Octodol Ma Perkins program, usually heard at 3.15, will be presented at 4.45 o'clock in service.